Hello, my name is Anthony Borelli, and this is the QC Podcast. The QC Pod features the people, projects, movements, and ideas that make up the Queens College community. To learn more, visit us at queenspodcastlab.org slash qcpod. On today's episode of the QC Pod, Nev Yakubov returns with the second part of her podcast debut, Write or Die. In this episode, Nev continues her discussion about writers Frank Chin and Maxine Hunter Kingston, analyzing the ways that each of these writers portrays the story of Mulan. Welcome to Write or Die, the podcast where we navigate the spilled ink of epic battles staining the pages of literary history. I'm Nev Yakubov. This is the second episode in a two-part series about Frank Chin and Maxine Hong Kingston. If you haven't listened to the first episode of this series, stop. Go back and listen to that one first. I'll wait. Ready to get into it? This episode will be taking a look at how Chin and Kingston presented the traditional Chinese story of Mulan, and how their debate manifested in these two works. You're all probably familiar with the story of Mulan from the 1998 Disney movie, with its catchy songs and comedic sidekicks. The story is simple enough. A girl disguises herself as a man to go to war in her father's stead, overcomes some challenges, saves all of China, and brings her family honor. But the story didn't start with Disney. It began as a traditional Chinese tale, and both Chin and Kingston have used it in their works. Chin, in his translation of the tale, titled The Ballad of Mulan, and Kingston in a chapter of her book called White Tigers. Before moving forward, here's a quick summary of both their works. Chin's translation finds Mulan crying over her father's conscription to the army. She decides to buy a horse and saddle and go fight in his stead. She is away from home for 12 years, successfully fighting for her country. On her way home, she has an audience with the emperor, who offers her a prestigious court post. Mulan refuses, asking instead for the, quote, famous thousand li camel to carry me home. She returns home, changes out of her armor and into a gown, makes her hair, and returns outside to the astonishment of a fellow soldier who never realized she was a girl. The poem ends with two rabbits running side by side, which Chin explains represents the Confucian ideal of marriage as a military alliance. Kingston's Mulan follows a bird up a mountain to an old couple who train her to become a warrior so she can avenge her village of the bandits that attack it. She stays her 15 years, where she is taught to survive white tigers and fight dragons. She learns to expand her mind and strengthen her body. While she's away, Mulan's family marries her to her childhood friend. Mulan trains until the age of 22 when she rushes down the mountain to take her father's place in a war against the emperor. Mulan fights against the bandits who have terrorized her village, all while being married, becoming pregnant, and giving birth to her son. She finally slays the Baron, the mastermind behind all the attacks on her village, and returns home to her family. (laughs) 
Even the form the two works take is consistent with the way Chin and Kingston viewed Asian American literature. Chin's The Ballad of Mulan is a translation of the traditional tale, while Kingston's White Tigers is a retelling with deliberate changes. Chin viewed Kingston's changes as heretical to the original tale and accused Kingston of engaging in fake storytelling. One of Chin's main complaints about Kingston's White Tigers are the feminist changes she makes to the original story. He called her nuts for implying that in Chinese, the word for woman and slave are the same. Kingston, being a feminist, made her changes deliberately. Fa Mulan came back from the battles against the Mongols, and, uh, and when she returned, um, she, she brought her army with her, and she asked them to wait outside. She, she came home. She went inside the house. She got out of her armor and I guess took a bath and put on her feminine clothes and she did her hair and she put flowers in it. And then she presented herself to her army and she was a beautiful woman. And she said, I was the general that was leading you. And they were just flabbergasted that it's a woman. When I wrote that story, I left that out. As a feminist, I want to get rid of those, that high heel shoes and the makeup and the, that that kind of stuff, and um, and I I wanted to show us women as being just as powerful as men. Kingston not only left out Mulan's change to female clothes but also added elements to her Mulan that didn't exist in the original tale. Kingston's Mulan menstruates, and on those days, she was, quote, as strong as on any other day. Her Mulan also gets married and becomes pregnant while she is disguised as the male general of her army. This does not hinder her in the least. During her last four months of pregnancy, she simply wears larger armor, so she looks like a, quote, powerful big man. Kingston's Mulan misses war once, to give birth to her baby, and then she continues fighting as usual, except she holds her baby hidden under her armor. When the baby is one month old, she sends him away with her husband to take to his family. Kingston uses her Mulan to fight against the narrative that femininity equals weakness. She does this literally when Mulan confronts the greedy baron who has stolen from, killed, and raped her villagers. The baron spouts quotes like, Girls are maggots in the rice, and It is more profitable to raise geese than daughters. Mulan reciprocates by slashing him across the face, killing him. By literally killing the baron, Kingston's Mulan also metaphorically slashes the sexist notions he expressed. Neither Chin's nor Kingston's Mulan deny their femininity, but there is a subtle difference between the two. Chin's translation opens with Mulan sniffling, quote, like her loom, a distinctly feminine symbol. She then goes to war for 12 years, becomes a war hero, is offered a high-ranking position by the emperor, but refuses it, 
to go home to her family. When she gets home, she changes into her, quote, gowns of old and fixes her hair in, quote, cloudy tresses. Chin's Mulan is feminine, but her femininity has no place in the traditionally masculine role of soldier. Her femininity and masculinity do not meet. Kingston, on the other hand, intertwines Mulan's femininity with her incredible strength. She even attributes her strength to her femininity. The old couple who train Mulan tell her that she will, quote, have the advantage against the heavy-footed, rough men because she is a woman. Kingston's Mulan has a baby, but also beheads the emperor, menstruates, and bests thousands of men. Kingston's message is clear. Masculinity and femininity can coexist. Female and strong are not antonyms. Chin and Kingston both created versions of the original Mulan tale, each injecting their own ideology into their creations. Chin, the traditionalist, offers a translation, marked by a rigid separation of gender roles, while Kingston provides a radical retelling, featuring a feminist heroine who flaunts traditional notions of gender. Both authors feel passionately about the importance of Asian American literature, but they face opposite directions. Chin is the stalwart soldier preserving the past, and Kingston, the intrepid explorer, blazing a trail for the future. Both are necessary, but like Chin's depiction of masculinity and femininity, they will never meet. Thank you for listening to Ride or Die. I'm Nev Yakubov. Our theme music is Mystery Unsolved by Shane Ivers, courtesy of Silverman Sound. You can find all our sources at qwriting.qc.cuny.edu. Until next time! Thanks again to Nev Yakubov for this episode of Ride or Die. Be sure to look out for more coming soon. Our theme music is Late Monsters by John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants. QC Pod is a production of the Queen's Podcast Lab. To learn more, we're on Twitter at QC Pod, or visit us at queenspodcastlab.org slash QC Pod. I'm Anthony Borelli. Thanks for listening.